Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 77, Vulnerability. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. How's everybody doing today? It feels so good to be back to my regular schedule this month. You guys have seen now that February, I did something a little bit different on my podcast. I did a pep talk series. And so it was a lot of fun. I did a mini episode every day. Now I actually ended up not literally publishing an episode every day, but pretty close. I almost got one, a new one published every day, but There were some days that I missed and then I would do it the next day or I did a couple in a day so that by the end of the month, I did have 28 mini episodes in 28 days of February. And I thought that was very clever of me to pick the shortest month of the year if I was going to do an episode every day. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. I'm glad that it's done, but I think that it is awesome. I love how it turned out and I've gotten a lot of feedback on it that you guys are loving it. You're loving having just very short episodes to go to right in your moment of need. You're loving having that resource to refer to other people and that's exactly what I wanted from that. I those are the those were my goals for those episodes. So, now we're back to a once a week episode and these episodes are often a little bit longer. And in the future, I might do more things like that pep talk series from time to time. For the most part, I will stick to this weekly episode, but just know there's always more exciting things coming around the corner. And in today's episode, we are talking about vulnerability. So this weekend, I have the opportunity to be a guest expert in the Brave Crate private Facebook community, and I will be hosting the challenge weekend, and we are talking about living shame-free. If you haven't heard of Brave Crate, let me just tell you about it for a second. This fabulous company is a deployment countdown subscription box. So when your husband or significant other is deploying, you can sign up for this subscription. And every month that he's away, you receive a fun box of goodies in the mail that are just catered right to you, to your self-care, to making the most of this time apart, this time while he's away, working on yourself, working on your mental health. She often sends books and cute t-shirts, makeup, jewelry, pens, notebooks, treats, candy, uh, just so many fun items. She's very creative. She's great at what she does. And the boxes are just so fun an absolute joy. I actually just received my first box this month. Becky sent it to me as a thank you for running her challenge weekend this weekend. And I felt so special. So go to my Facebook or Instagram page if you want to see the unboxing video that I'll be publishing today for that Brave Crate box. Another thing that I love about Becky Hoy and Brave Crate, Becky's the founder and owner of Brave Crate, is that she and I have the same goal in mind, and that is to help military wives who are overwhelmed and stressed have the tools and the resources that they need at their fingertips to make, again, to make the most of this time while their husband's away, to make the most of the time apart, to still feel capable and equipped to stay connected to him, to take really good care of ourselves while they're away so that we are in the best shape possible to take better care of the people around us. We tend to sacrifice 
a little bit of what we need to have enough you know, time and energy to take care of the people around us, but it really can come at a cost. And so to work to switch that order, to focus on yourself first so that you are just in that much of a better position to take great care of the people around you is such a cool thing. And if you have not heard of Brave Crates, now you have. Go check them out at bravecrates.com. If you're a military wife, you're going to want to have that in your pocket for the next time your husband deploys. And if you're not a military wife, I think it's still really valuable for you to go check out because we all know people who are in the military. And if you have a friend or a sister or cousin, daughter-in-law, something who has a, a deployment in her future, this would be such an incredibly thoughtful and specific gift and thing that you could do for that person in your life who you know is going to be going through this. And often people who aren't in the military who want to support military families are looking for a way to do that. And giving this gift subscription would be incredible. Even if you wanted to get like a few people in on it, it would mean so much to that woman who's about to go through a long period of time with her husband being away. So keep that in mind for when you have those things come up. Okay, let's get to our episode. The reason that I'm talking about vulnerability today is because, again, that's the topic of the challenge weekend this weekend. So it's on my mind. I've been studying it. I'm going to be repeating some of the things that I talked about in my shame blame episode, episode 65. And that's a fabulous episode if you want to go back and listen to that one. But I will definitely be spending some time today talking about shame. And there's a reason why. And I'll tell you that because Brene Brown said it best. And I'm going to be referencing her quite a bit throughout this episode because she is, as most people know, a shame researcher. And she said that an interesting thing happens. When you study shame, you learn about vulnerability. When you ask people about vulnerability, they tell you about their shame and their experience with shame and their relationship with shame. So almost like a byproduct, you learn about things as a byproduct. When you go about studying one topic, you learn about other things as a byproduct. So while Brene Brown is a shame researcher, she's kind of now known as the queen of vulnerability and, and, and an expert in this topic. And so that is why, even though I've already done an episode on shame, on the shame blame trap, we are going to spend some time today first talking about shame because the way we get a hold on it is to understand it. We know that awareness creates authority. And if shame is still feeling powerful to you or vague or a little overwhelming, it's really helpful to just get clear on it, to understand it, to have a handle on what it is. So shame is when we argue with reality. We argue with our past reality saying things like, I shouldn't have done that. We argue with our present reality thinking and saying things like, this shouldn't be happening. And shame also catastrophizes future possible realities like this is never going to work. Shame depletes our energy. It is an exhausting emotion and it depletes us. And I don't know about you guys, but I do not have time to have extra unnecessary things be depleting me. I want as much energy as I can possibly have for all the things that I need and want to be doing. Shame unravels connection. And this is the biggest one that I want to focus on today because vulnerability is the key to connection. And that is why we often talk about shame so much in connection to vulnerability because one of the worst things that shame does is unravel connection. And we need connection as human beings to really thrive. Shame is dirty pain. And if you haven't listened to that episode about clean and dirty pain that I published, that's episode 55. 
and go listen to that one because it is so valuable to understand the difference between clean pain, which can be productive and serves us, and dirty pain, which is unnecessary. And again, is that depleting pain that brings about just that unnecessary suffering in our life. And when we can identify dirty pain and create it less for ourselves, that is such a gift we give ourselves. Shame is a lie. It is telling us lies like, you are a bad person. You are a bad mom. You are a failure. None of those things are true. Even if you spend half of the time momming, doing things you don't like and things you wouldn't prefer, that still doesn't make you a complete bad mom. That means you're a mom who's made some choices you don't prefer. Even if one of your endeavors fails, that does not make you a failure. That means in that moment, the thing you were trying to do didn't work for whatever reason. But shame always wants to take us to that extreme option of just, you are bad, you are a failure. Another thing shame does is it encourages you to let one mistake negate other good actions. It lets one mistake define us, just like I was mentioning with being you know, a bad mom or a failure. It wants you to cancel out all the other good things that you've done and focus in on this one mistake or this one area where you have weaknesses. Shame wants you to look outward because it wants you to think that looking inward is painful. And that's really where we get into that shame blame trap. When we do something wrong, it's natural to look inside and say, okay, what did I do wrong? What should I have done? And we know that's where guilt comes into play. And guilt can be very productive when used correctly. But shame wants to say, oh, looking at myself in this way, taking ownership and responsibility of this thing I've done wrong, this mistake I've made is painful. So let's look outward and see whose fault it could be outside of us. And then we go to the blame and then we come back to the shame. Then we go out to the blame. And that's one of shame's favorite little games to play is, is to do that, that shame blame loop or trap. This next one's really important in, in our topic today with vulnerability because shame wants you to think that vulnerability is excruciating. And we're gonna get into that a little bit in just a minute. Shame wants you to numb vulnerability. It wants you to take vulnerable situations and the feeling of vulnerability and to escape it, to numb it, to run away from it. But the problem with that is that you cannot selectively numb emotions. That's one problem of it. So when we answer shame, and we seek to numb our vulnerability, we end up numbing ourselves. We numb other emotions. We numb emotions that we would prefer to feel. Shame loves to say, you're never good enough. And it loves to question you and make you question yourself and say, who do you think you are? What's interesting is that shame is mostly coming from us judging ourselves harshly. We can feel shame from things other people say and what we think about what they're saying, right? Feeling that judgment, feeling that criticism, making it mean something about ourselves. That can bring about shame, but most often we feel shame because of the way we're talking to ourselves, because of the criticism we're offering ourselves, because of the way we judge ourselves harshly. I have a little bit of an example of this. A couple of months ago, I went on a little retreat with a few women to a cabin in the mountains, and it was so beautiful. And I was helping out with the food, because that's one of my favorite things to do. And I arrived at the cabin early so that I could prep some food and be ready for when the other ladies arrived. And one thing I needed to do was frost the cake, because I made the cake ahead of time, but I wanted to wait till we got to the cabin to frost it so that it wouldn't make a mess or, you know, so it just would be a little bit easier to transport. And I, there were two other women that came with me ahead of time to help. 
just prep the cabin, get everything ready for the other guests. And one of these women had asked me, is there anything I can do to help you? And I was like, okay, I'll let you know as soon as I have something, you know, because most of what I was doing just needed to be me right in that moment. And when I saw the cake, I thought, oh, that's perfect. I'll ask her to frost this cake because that's needs to be done. It's pretty easy to do. And then I can get other things done while she does that. And so I said, okay, I, I found something that you can help me with. Can you come frost this cake? And she just kind of crumpled right before me. And it really surprised me because in my mind, my thought about frosting cake is, oh, that's, that's easy, you know, or this is fun. I, I really actually enjoy frosting cakes. And this was just a regular bunt cake that I just wanted her to take a store-bought tub of frosting and put that frosting on that cake and smooth it out a little bit. You know, this wasn't like a fancy cake or a birthday cake or it didn't need to be any kind of decoration. It was just literally putting frosting on a cake in an even, you know, evenly distributed, smooth way. And she said, oh, I can't do that. And I said, oh, sorry, is that not something you want to do? You know, and she said, I, I just... I can't do that. I, I'm not. She said something like, I can't handle the criticism. And I thought, I, I questioned, sorry. And I questioned her just right away. I mean, I hadn't really thought too much about what she said, but I just said, oh, who's going to criticize you? You know, I won't criticize you. And she and I had already had a conversation about um, just a little bit about the person that I am and uh, how loving and accepting I am. And my, I had already explained to her my personal motto of B minus is totally like anything from B minus and up I'm in love with, you know, that, that my goal is to just get like that B minus average or above when I put things out into the world. And so I said, who's going to criticize you? You know, you know, I'm not going to criticize you. And she said, I know, I know. I just, I just can't frost the cake. And I just thought, oh, okay. And I can't remember if I frosted it or if I asked the other lady to frost it. But anyway, later I was thinking about that conversation. And I think it's interesting that I didn't realize this in the moment, but we were just kind of bustling around. And later I was thinking, who was she worried was going to criticize her? Because I really knew that she wasn't worried I was going to criticize her. I mean, maybe she had a tiny concern that the creator of the cake might criticize her. But I, I really felt confident that I had communicated to her uh, just how loving and easygoing I was. And so I really felt pretty strong that it wasn't me that she was worried about would criticize her. And I didn't really feel like it was the other woman she was worried about criticizing her. And none of the other guests had arrived yet. And it just clicked right in that moment as I was pondering it. And I thought she was going to criticize herself. That's who she was hiding from was her own criticism, her own harsh judgment, the way that she would talk to herself as she frosted the cake, the way that it wouldn't be good enough for her. And in addition to that, I'm sure that she was also imagining the judgments of others I imagine that she was predicting the way that she worried other people would judge it. But all of that is really just her own criticism of herself. And so the next day when she and I had a quiet moment, I just put my arm around her and I said, do you think that yesterday when I asked you to frost that cake, do you think the person that you were worried about criticizing you was just you? Was it yourself? And she just got teary in her eyes and she said, yes, that is exactly who I was worried about. And it's something that I'm working on. I'm working on judging myself less harshly. I'm working on being more accepting of myself and, and talking to myself in a much kinder way so that I don't have to be afraid of my own criticism. And she and I just had a sweet little moment. I gave her a big hug and just encouraged her on her way that I knew that she could do it, that I knew that she could take those steps towards uh, putting herself into that place of shame less frequently and less intensely. So I know that's a pretty simple story when it comes to shame, you know, just frosting on a cake. But you know in this podcast that I love to tell really simple stories to illustrate points so that it's really easy for you to wrap your mind around.
ground and get solid on the concept. And then in your own personal work, you can work to apply these concepts in parallel circumstances that might be more emotional or more intense or feel just more, uh, more powerful. Okay, so let's, let's finish up talking about shame here so that we can move on to vulnerability. Um, shame thrives in secrecy and silence and solitude and judgment, like we already talked about. But shame struggles to survive under exposure and empathy. So we will get into that a little bit more. I, I want to talk to you guys about that exposure element. Okay, we're going to touch for just a second on the word guilt because I think it's so important when it comes to understanding shame. And I get really into this. Uh, I go into this deeper in my shame blame episode. So if you like this concept, make sure you go listen to that episode. But I want to point out that we often misuse the word guilt. Like when we say mommy guilt or a guilt trip, that is really, we're just saying shame. And we're, I mean, what we mean is shame, but we're using the word guilt. So mommy guilt is when we're worried we're a bad mom when we beat ourselves up over mistakes that we make or we, or when we showed up in a way that we didn't prefer and then we make ourselves feel shame about it. That's mommy guilt. Even though we're using the word guilt, what we really mean is shame. Because what guilt really is, is just understanding that you've made a mistake and feeling an appropriate amount of either remorse or even sorrow or just like a desire to make amends and do it better next time. That's really what guilt is. Guilt when used properly, is actually highly motivating to make amends and improve behavior, where shame is the opposite. Shame is never motivating. And we think that's what we're going to create for ourselves when we use shame, is that we're going to motivate ourselves to be different, to do better. But just like I said, shame thrives in secrecy and silence and solitude and judgment. And all of that makes us go inside ourselves and shut down and, and none of those things will promote that improvement like we're wanting to motivate in ourselves. So when you understand that difference a little bit between the word guilt and shame, you learn that guilt serves us while shame does not. Uh, we often start at that useful place of guilt when we make a mistake. You know, we say, okay, I did something wrong. But then if we're not careful, it turns into shame. Like, I am wrong. I am a bad person, right? Shame focuses on fault and punishment right? When we do that shame blame thing, we're trying to find fault in ourselves, fault in other people. And then the punishment, you know, like really punishing ourselves with the judgment, the criticism, thinking that we don't deserve, uh, you know, good things in life, thinking we don't deserve to be happy. While guilt, on the other hand, focuses on responsibility, ownership, and consequences. And again, those are all will all serve us and will be motivating to amend the behavior and make changes if necessary and accept the consequences. You know, where we understand like, oh, yeah, I did something wrong. And when I do something wrong, this is the consequence and I'm willing to accept the consequence as well. But it's not about punishment, it's about consequences. Before we move on from shame, I just want to talk about why it's such a struggle and also why it's so important to understand it. So I want to talk about that the reason that we struggle with shame, even though we logically understand most of what I've already talked about, that it's a lie, that it doesn't serve us, that it doesn't progress us or motivate us, right? Like we understand all of those things pretty logically, but we still struggle with shame because typically we feel shame around things that we care about so much or that we love so much. And when we care deeply about things, it makes us want to do everything right. It makes us feel strong urges to be worried that we're going to screw it all up 
or that it's going to go away from us. We're going to lose it, lose the opportunity that we're going to regret something. And so that is a really perfect environment to have the strong urges to feel shame in that area because we're not going to do it everything right. And when we go to that extreme place of needing to do everything right to feel great about it, then that's just a perfect opportunity for shame to come in because it just won't happen. You will not do everything right. Uh, another reason that we struggle with shame is that we all have strengths and weaknesses. That's the, by human design. That's just the way it will always be. But we have an urge to try to only have strengths. We have an urge to want to have our weaknesses be unacceptable to us. And all of that can really bring in shame for you. And the last reason that I thought of, of why we struggle with this, even when we logically understand all the reasons why shame is not helpful, is because we mistakenly think it will motivate us, which I've already, which I've already talked about. And we want to change in our lives. We want to grow and change over time. That's a very normal pursuit and we just do it in this unproductive way where we think I have to be hard on myself or I'll always be this way. I have to hide this weakness about me or people will know. And if I can just hide it and quick change it, then no one will ever find out that I had this weakness, right? That we just go about changing in a really unproductive way when we try to use shame to fuel that. There's so many other awesome, productive emotions that we can use to motivate a really healthy amount of change from that growth growth mindset and, and that attitude, that growth attitude. And so the reason understanding all of this is important, like I already said, is that the best way to understand vulnerability is to understand shame. Another reason is because when we understand it, then we are in a better position to decrease shame in our life and stop punishing ourselves. We want to be up to the task for what we need to do each day, especially when our significant other is deployed. Because when we allow things that create extra suffering and things that deplete us in to our lives. It just affects our ability to do all the things that are being asked of us. And when our significant other is deployed, so many more things than normal are being asked of us. So this is really important to understand. The last reason that it's really important to understand shame and decrease it in our lives is because prolonged shame is toxic to our mental health. Brene Brown talks about this in a couple of her TED Talks that Studies show that shame is directly linked to mental health challenges like depression, suicide, anxiety, and other mental illnesses. So prolonged shame is just a great contributor to those things. Okay, we are ready to talk about some true solutions to this issue of shame and, and having a lot of shame in our lives. So the two main kind of broad solutions that I'm going to talk about today and offer you are vulnerability, which is the main topic of this episode, and also self-confidence. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on self-confidence because as you know, I just did that episode on self-confidence in January, episode 76. So for sure, go check that out. I will touch on a few things in this episode as well. Um, but we're going to focus again on vulnerability. And if you want an awesome podcast episode on vulnerability, go listen to Jody Moore's Better Than Happy episode number 76. She does an incredible one on vulnerability. And also, if you listen to anything from Brene Brown, you're going to get a lot of awesome insight into vulnerability. Okay, so vulnerability is absolutely necessary to a thriving, functioning human life. That's where I want to start. Brene Brown talks about how vulnerability is the birthplace of love and joy and creativity and ultimately connection. That's one of the greatest things we get from vulnerability, which I've already mentioned. Uh, vulnerability, while not comfortable, typically not very comfortable, it is not 
painful. So you'll remember that I said that shame wants you to think that vulnerability is excruciating. That's like beyond painful, right? But if you slow it down and really take a look at your experience with vulnerability and what it's been like for you, you will hopefully find this to be true, that it isn't comfortable, but that's okay. We know how to be uncomfortable. And while it's uncomfortable, we can take time to recognize and honor that it's not painful. This is important to understand as you study vulnerability. And it's important to take some time to realize that in your relationship with vulnerability and in your urge to be unwilling to experience it or numb against it, right? We talked about that, is that, or it's so interesting that we tend to admire vulnerability in others and completely loathe it and think it to be a weakness in ourselves. And I love what Brene Brown says. She says, vulnerability is not weakness. And in fact, it is our most accurate measure of courage. So you take it all the way from one end of that spectrum to the other. While we perceive it to be a weakness in ourselves, we admire it as courage, as a measure of courage in other people. And the same is true for when it's in ourselves. So we need to help ourselves redefine when we experience vulnerability. It's we're being courageous as well, just as we often see it as courage in other people. So now I want to talk about the the thin line between vulnerability and oversharing. So we can just talk a little bit about what vulnerability is and how to not go too far into that oversharing place. So one of the biggest ways that we can be vulnerable is when we show people who we really are, right? We are willing to let them see the good and the bad. We, in a a sense, expose ourselves. We be vulnerable with people. We get to that level of connection because we open up to them and show them that we're human, that we make mistakes, that we have strengths and weaknesses. And that's a little bit what it looks like to be vulnerable in our lives. But this is where kind of that thin line comes in because while vulnerability is completely empowering and courageous, it can pretty easily get overdone and become that oversharing place where it might actually even be a detriment to us to try to practice vulnerability in that way. So I want to encourage you to be vulnerable and share with people who have earned the right to hear it. And what I mean by that is in order to be vulnerable, we don't have to tell everybody everything about ourselves. That's where we get into the oversharing. It's enough to share it with one person or two trusted people who maybe they understand what it's like to go through what we've been through, or maybe we want to help them understand what it's like by sharing with them. But there's somebody that we trust. There's somebody that we know will handle the information with care and love and empathy. And while we want to create connection with everybody around us, this deep level of vulnerability and connection doesn't have to be with every single person. You can feel very connected to humans in general by knowing that you're a person who's willing to be vulnerable and share even, you know, the parts of you that you're tempted to hide away with certain people. And while there's other people that you don't necessarily share that with, you can still feel that human connection with them, either sometimes when they're being vulnerable with you or just in reaching a certain level of vulnerability with them, whatever it is that you're comfortable with, depending on who the person is. So what I like to call this is strategic exposure, because while exposure is a perfect antidote to shame and a natural outcome and result of exposure is to decrease shame in your life, we do want to be strategic about it. So that's why I like to call that strategic exposure. One other way I like to think about this is to not 
cast your pearls before swine. They say that in the scriptures. And what that basically means is when something is very important to you and it's, you know, precious and private and intimate, you don't just throw it out there for anybody. You can be very respectful to yourself with your important private issues and just practice vulnerability by offering up those treasures, your own personal treasures to people who you know will handle them as treasures. Because not everybody will. Not everybody has earned that right to be like a witness to all the parts of you. Okay, so Brene Brown says that vulnerability comes from three things. Number one, the courage to be imperfect. Number two, compassion to be kind to yourself and others. And number three, connection through authenticity. So like I said, that there's really varying degrees of vulnerability. And I think we can find that connection through authenticity with anyone knowing that maybe we'll do it at a a lighter degree with somebody who we're not as close with. And then maybe a more deeper degree, more intense degree with someone that we are very close with. But that authenticity is available with anybody to just be yourself and to, to be authentic with people will create that connection. I think it's important to understand when studying vulnerability and when seeking to practice and create more vulnerability in your life and authenticity is to know that we don't need to go all the way from hiding again to showing everything. Oversharing doesn't serve us and can actually put us in uh, fragile situations. But what we want to do is just to take different areas of our life and just increase our vulnerability. So we go back to those layers and degrees to say, you know, in my marriage, I'm, I'm pretty vulnerable. You know, I share everything with my husband, but there's certain areas that I still feel pretty necessary to keep private to myself. And you can either continue to do that or you can say, I am looking for opportunities to practice vulnerability. So I'm going to try to start showing just this little bit more of myself to my husband that I've still been kind of keeping to myself. Or you might look at a friend relationship or parent-child relationship and say like, uh, I'll coach my clients on this. They often think they need to hide from their kids when they cry. And I'll encourage them to just challenge themselves to let their kids see them cry from time to time. It doesn't mean if you start crying that you have to like bring all your kids in your bedroom and say, look, I'm crying. But when tears come and you're in front of your child and you have that tendency to say like, oh, I can't let them see me cry or, you know, excuse yourself from the room so you can go cry in private instead to just accept that challenge from yourself and say like, This is a good opportunity to just let these tears flow right in front of my son or my daughter so that they can see me for who I am, see me in this moment of vulnerability, in this moment of emotion, in this moment where I'm feeling fragile and vulnerable and I want to let them see that so that they know that I'm not just this robot who doesn't have emotions because they're over there having emotions and learning how to, they're getting that that urge of hiding it reinforced when I run and hide it. We're not teaching them to hide their emotions because that's just that natural uh, shame that will come up in all of us. But we're definitely reinforcing the story when we want to hide ourselves. So even just layer by layer, increasing our vulnerability, just taking it from maybe we're at a three out of 10 on vulnerability and we want to go to like a four or five. So we say, okay, how could I do that? What areas could I just increase my vulnerability a little bit? I'm going to touch on self-confidence just for a moment because when we incorporate more vulnerability and more self-confidence into our lives, It's just the perfect way to reduce the shame. So self-confidence is believing that you're worthy of love and belonging. Self-confidence is unconditional and it leaves room for mistakes and humanness. Because if it were conditional, then there would be no room for the mistakes and the humanness. If we could only feel that self-love and self-confidence, 
if there were no mistakes. That's the exact definition of conditional love or conditional confidence. But self-confidence is unconditional. Self-confidence is knowing and embracing all parts of yourself, the good and the bad, the strengths and the weaknesses. Self-confidence is understanding that while shame depletes us, confidence energizes us. Self-confidence is understanding that nothing touches our value or our worth. It is set and it is untouchable. Self-confidence is understanding that what we think of ourselves is either generating or depleting self-confidence. So the way we think of ourselves, the way we talk about ourselves is either contributing or taking away from our feeling of self-confidence. Not from our value, not from our worth, but from our ability to feel that self-confidence. One way I like to explain confidence is on that spectrum idea where there's kind of one extreme end of the spectrum and another extreme end of the spectrum and we're always shooting for just like a nice happy medium in the middle rather than any extreme options so one extreme side of this confidence spectrum is arrogance where we believe we're better than other people and we believe that um, we're more deserving and more uh, you know are superior to other people which is just absolutely untrue but we can spend time thinking that and we can feel arrogant and that's on one extreme end of the spectrum and the other extreme end of this spectrum is shame and shame is when we spend time thinking that we're terrible and that we're worse than other people and that other people are better than us and if only we could do it better and if only we could be perfect then we could think good things about ourselves but we're not perfect so we must be terrible and the happy medium in the middle is just that self-confidence. It's I'm no better and no worse than everyone around me. We all have 100% value and worth and we're all doing our best. We're humans in this world. We make mistakes. We have weaknesses, but we also have strengths and just like amazing things about us. And I'm open to all of it. I'm all in for the whole experience. And that's confidence in the middle. Okay. So Brene Brown offers these four solutions to shame. And if we were able to do these four things, that we would see a great reduction of shame in our lives. And number one is to let ourselves be seen. Number two is to believe that we are enough. Number three is to love with our whole hearts. Number four is to practice gratitude every day. And I love everything Brene Brown says, and I love these four solutions that she's offered. But I want to say, and again, this isn't really a but, it's more of like a and, Um, I just sometimes walk away from uh, her TED Talks or her books, which again, I love thinking like, I love everything you said, but I'm not totally sure how to make that all real in my life and how to live that out from day to day and how to just really implement what you're teaching. And she's a researcher, so she is presenting these incredible facts and this information that she's learned as she's studied these concepts, which is so valuable, again, to start with that understanding. But I have found it lacking just a little bit in application. So that's where I want to take us here as we end this episode is I want to talk about actually applying all that we've talked about here in this episode today into your real life, into your daily life. Like what does that look like to live shame free? So the first thing that I want to say is when I talk about living shame free, it's actually not a great way to say it. I like saying it that way because that just works for me, but it's definitely not the goal to completely stop feeling shame, to never feel shame again. So when I say shame free, what I really mean is just decrease the amount of shame you experience in your life. But as human beings, 
we're going to have the urge to feel shame for the rest of our life. And sometimes we're going to answer the urge and indulge in the shame. And sometimes we're going to, you know, implement these tools and models to help us stay out of shame. But the goal is not to never feel shame again. So when you hear me say that word like the, or that phrase shame free, that's not what I mean. What I mean is to live your life, embrace it, know what shame is, feel it from time to time, try to feel it as little as possible and do what you can to decrease it so that you can eliminate that that dirty pain, that extra suffering. And when we do this, we take our power back from shame because right now, shame, when it's prevalent in our lives, it feels like it has some power over us and we want to take that power back. So while we will, from time to time, definitely still indulge in shame, we just want to stop overindulging in it. And we do this by you know, not staying in shame. We learn how to process it and move forward. So one way that we process shame is to know what we want to think about shame. So when, when shameful thoughts and feelings come up, we want to just be able to talk to ourselves about it and say things like, I'm feeling shame right now. And I'm feeling shame because I'm thinking I'll never be good enough or look, I'm a failure right? And another way we want to talk to ourselves about shame as we work to process the emotion is to say like, this is what shame feels like in my body. When I spend time thinking this, then I feel shame. And when I feel shame, my stomach starts to hurt or my throat gets tight or, you know, you, you just describe what that feels like in your body. And one way that I like to teach my clients about this is to say like, if you met a person who you realized had never once felt shame in their lives, how would you describe it to them? They have no idea. They have no con or context when it comes to feeling shame. So you need to explain to them what it is and what it feels like. And that helps you just be very clear and aware and it helps really decrease the drama around shame to be able to just describe it that way. And it's another step in like taking that power back. So there's a few things that I I talked about in my shame blame episode, but we're going to talk about here again that I want you to do when you are having those moments of, of still indulging in the shame, along with processing it, you know, talking through it, like I just mentioned, I want you to also slow it down and talking through it really helps you slow it down. Describing it helps you slow it down. And when we slow it down, that increases our awareness because we're able to see it for what it is and kind of see it play out in our lives step by step instead of kind of feeling like it's just happening to us and we have no control over it. Another thing that I want you to do is to drop into truth. So this decreases the drama of your story. This is basically taking those sneaky little lies that are coming up and instead saying like, okay, I made a mistake, but I'm not a failure. So you drop into the truth of whatever the story is. You say like, this thing I tried didn't work, but I'm going to try this other thing. And it doesn't mean that my, you know, I'm failing as a mother or my business failed, or it doesn't mean any of that. And I'm just tempted to make it mean that. But what's true is I tried to do this and, and it didn't work. And the way I know it didn't work is because I thought this was going to happen, but instead this happened. And, you know, you just start to narrate the story, but just try to stick to the facts as much as possible and and decrease that drama. Just like I mentioned with guilt and shame and like fault versus responsibility and consequences versus punishment, it can be so powerful to use the right words when it comes to all of these things. So to be really clear and understand those words is going to help you do that. And that's going to give you a lot of power back in this area. And then another one that we've mentioned in this episode is to say it out loud. Say the thing that you're wanting to keep private out loud. And again, remember that strategic exposure. 
We don't want to go to that oversharing place necessarily. We want to be strategic about the way we do this step. Another thing that I have found in my personal journey to decrease shame and drama and unnecessary pain and suffering in my life is to seek to understand myself better and to seek to understand others better. My lower brain wants me to be confused. And when I say that, what I mean is it wants me to not understand why I do what I do and not understand why other people do what they do. It wants me to stay in that place of like, I just can't understand why I keep doing this. I just can't understand how they could think that way. It wants me to not understand. And so I I talk to my lower brain and I say, like, I see why you want me to not understand, but I'm seeking to understand. I'm seeking to understand myself better. I'm seeking to understand other people better. And all of that helps me in my journey to decrease shame and drama and pain in my life. Because what we're a little afraid of will happen is that as we seek to understand that that will be confused with like acceptance or condonement of that activity or behavior either in ourselves or in other people where actually that's almost never the case we can understand somebody and have you know compassion for them without at all agreeing with them or even like uh, condoning what they do or condoning what we do if there's something in ourselves that we're looking to change we can understand it and accept the reality of it while still wanting it to be different So what understanding does is it leads to compassion and compassion is just that perfect antidote to judgment. And we know that judgment and shame just go hand in hand. So when we seek to understand ourselves and others, that will be really effective in decreasing the amount of shame we have in our lives. So another way that you can apply all of this into your life is to accept your humanness to accept all parts of yourself. A couple of the ways that I implement this is when I have powerful thoughts that I think on purpose, that I answer myself with. When I make a mistake, when one of my weaknesses comes out and I'm tempted to be hard on myself and to go to that place of shame, one of my favorite thoughts to think on purpose is, turns out I'm human. So I'll make a mistake or I'll spill something in the kitchen and I'll think like, oh, how could you spill something? Like, oh, that was so uh, clumsy or whatever. Then I'll just lovingly and gently move from that thought towards this Turns out I'm human and humans make mistakes and humans spill things. You know, I just kind of calm myself down with that thought and and I it leads me to accepting myself, accepting that I am imperfect, that I will always make mistakes. Another way that I do this in the way that I talk to myself is I have when I have areas of my life that I've identified are places where I will often go to shame. Like for example, when I lose my cool and yell at my kids, that's something that I'm always working on doing less of. And when I yell at my kids, I'm very tempted to be hard on myself and think that I'm failing as a mother and why even try? And, uh, you know, this is, when will I ever stop yelling at my kids? Like I'm just waiting for that day where I graduate from this weakness of mine or whatever you want to call it. And so what the way that I talk to myself about it now is when I yell at my kids and I'm having that urge to be harsh on myself. Instead, I say like, I'm a good mom. And sometimes I yell at my kids. Like I'm working on it. I'm trying not to, but I, I do. I yell at my kids sometimes. I lose my cool sometimes. I take it out on them when I could do other things, but I don't. In that moment, I yell at my kids. So I'm a good mom. And sometimes I yell at my kids. Another way I like to say it is I don't yell at my kids, except sometimes I do. <laughs> so we do want to go to that place where we've, you know, we're cured of it, right? Where we've graduated from it. 
we want to say like, I don't yell at my kids, period. We want to say that. But that just doesn't leave that room for our humanness. So if you just say like, I don't yell at my kids, except when sometimes I do, <laughs> then, then it works out. One thing that I want to touch on here near the end of this episode is that the way that we handle our mistakes is almost more important than anything else. We tend to want to almost not look at this part, right? We want to say like, here's how it's going to look when I'm doing it right, when I'm on plan. But the way that we handle ourselves amidst uh, a mistake or a slip up or an error or you know bad behavior is key to our success. Knowing how to handle that part well is key to our growth and to learning from it and to getting right back on track and to actually having success in the thing that we're working on. We want to notice the areas that we want to improve in, but not from a place of lack, not from a place of uh, this, you know, I'm not good enough in this area, but just notice like, here's an area that I could see that, you know, I could make some improvements. It's fine how it is right now, but how cool would it be to yell a little less at my kids, right? Uh, Another way I like to say this is to change from want, not from need. So I don't need to yell less at my kids in order to believe I'm a good mom. I just want to yell a little less at my kids because I don't, I don't love yelling at them. I don't like the person I am when I yell at them. And so I want to yell less at them. I deserve that. They deserve that. And let's work on that, but not from that place of lack. Like when I yell at my kids, I can't believe uh, good things about myself or believe that I'm a good mom or treat myself nicely. We logically understand that the thing that we're feeling shame about isn't necessarily true, but we still feel it. We feel irrational shame. We feel shame about something that we know isn't totally true and that's fine. Nothing's gone wrong. That's just our brain doing its job. Our brain is able to feel something even when it didn't happen. It's able to feel something just because we're thinking that thing. So for example, I want to illustrate this for you. Um, It's like waking up from a bad dream and you immediately know that the thing in the dream didn't happen, whether it was a scary dream or a really sad dream, right? I, I will do this sometimes. I'll have a really sad dream about, you know, like, we're able to immediately like have our brain catch up with reality, know that that thing didn't happen. But I don't know if this happens for you guys, but for me throughout even like the whole day, maybe typically just maybe like a few hours in the morning, but sometimes even throughout the whole day, I will still feel that emotion. I will still feel sad throughout my day, almost as if the thing did happen, even though I totally rationally understand that it didn't happen. So I think that's important to understand as we watch this play out in our lives, that it doesn't actually matter if the thing we're feeling shame about is true or not. If we think it, we will feel it. Okay, the last thing that I want to touch on today before we close this episode is that one thought that has served me so well in this area in accepting myself, accepting other people for whatever it is that they're offering at any given moment is that I am always doing my best and so is everybody else. And the reason that I can believe that is because I've learned that sometimes our best looks amazing and sometimes the best we have to give looks pretty terrible. In that moment, that's the best we have to give. Even if we know better, even if we've done better in the past or we will do better in the future, for whatever reason in that moment, we didn't have much to give. We, we did our best in that moment. I'm always doing my best and so is everyone else. And it can look a lot of different ways. And when I think this way, I feel so much love and compassion and understanding for myself and for all the people around me. And I'm just open to the experience that I'm having and I'm more able to be vulnerable and I stay out of shame. And it's just a gift that I love to give myself. So that's what I want to offer you guys. The 
mission for this episode is to, like I mentioned earlier, just take your level of vulnerability that you currently experience, identify what that is. You know, if it's like on a scale from zero to 10, maybe you're at a three on vulnerability and find very specific ways to challenge yourself and in specific areas of your life where you're wanting to be more vulnerable, but it's currently not feeling available to you or not feeling safe. Find specific ways that you can increase your vulnerability. We don't need to take it all the way to a 10. We just want to go from like a three to a five and find those ways, those measurable, intentional ways that you can challenge yourself to be a little bit more vulnerable in these areas of your life. And you will see your love increase, your connection increase, your joy, your creativity, your acceptance your peace, your calm, all of it will increase as you increase your vulnerability. It's a really, really incredible tool that we tend to underuse. So that's one reason I wanted to do this episode today so that I could really put that emphasis on the vulnerability aspect of this solution to shame. And that is what I have for you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.com. I can't wait to work with you.